Good morning. It is certainly good to be here this morning. Um, God is faithful. He is good. And uh, we get to continue to uh, go through his word. Uh, This morning we are in Luke chapter 8. And this morning the the subject that we're covering is the subject of, of listening, hearing, listening. I think that our attention span has uh, dwindled, not that it was something great before, but with everything that is at our disposal and the amount of information that comes to us, it's like, um, it's like being fed information through a fire hose, right? It just comes at us, and, and when we're done with one piece of information, we're off to another. And, uh, and so we, we have trouble hearing, or at least we hear, but we don't listen attentively. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. The, the title of this morning's message is Take Care, Take Care Then How You Hear. Take Care Then How You Hear. The very words of Jesus as he was speaking um, to those who were within earshot um, of when he was meeting with them. In this event. And so let's read uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 16, which says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are outside standing Uh, Desiring to see you, but he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Father, these are plain words. I thank you that you have made much plain, easy to understand, and yet, Lord, as We learned last week, even when the plain word is is put into soil, it depends on the soil in which it falls into, whether it's going to take root and produce fruit and be lasting. So, Father, I pray, I ask, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts. Lord, that we may realize, that we may acknowledge that This is your word. Lord, that we desire to bless you by coming to you in humility and with a desire to hear from you and that, Lord, your word would take root in our hearts, in our lives. That as it does, Lord, it may certainly produce fruit worthy of repentance and the faith that we have come to know. 
in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So, Father, speak to us this morning, we ask. Give us understanding. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we covered the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil, in which I pointed out that the only variable to the sower, the seed, and the soil is the soil itself. The seed, we know, as it was explained to us in this parable, was the word of God. And the soil is the heart of those in whom that seed or the word of God was dropped into. We learned how it was that some seed fell on hard soil or it falls on hard soil. On the path that is trodden down with under the feet of people. In other words, we were given a, a, a picture of that, how it is that some seed would fall on very hard ground. There are some seed that fell on rocky soil. These are the people who would receive the word with great joy. They would come to believe, they would come to rejoice. They were excited for a time, and yet, it's all a matter of time. With those who have these rocky hearts, that have no real soil, that these roots can penetrate. And in times of testing, they quickly fall away because there was no substance to their root. Still others are described as hearing the word, but as they go about life, what happens is, again, it's just a matter of time. It doesn't matter if it's five days, five weeks, five months, five years, or sometimes even 50 years. Because we are all susceptible to this. These are described as the third soil, as being the hearts of those who hear the word. But then that, that seed, the word is choked out by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this world. Again, I remind you that it doesn't matter if it, it may be, we're not talking about even salvation. We're talking about just receiving the word and allowing it to take root. Because it may be for the last few years, it hasn't really been taken root in your heart. What soil is it falling into? Are the cares, riches, and pleasures of your life choking out any fruit that would be produced and mature? Because what we learned is that it doesn't mature. It comes about. You ever taken fruit off of a tree and you think, well, it doesn't look ripe, but I'm going to try it out because by now it should be ripe. I have some fruit trees in my yard and, and uh, there was one tree that initially it was producing and it was producing fruit that was juicy. It was good. It was super good. And we called it Isaiah's tree because he was little at the time and he could pick these uh, mandarins. They were like cuties, you know. And, uh, and he could peel them easily, and he would pop them in his mouth. And, and yet, at some point, it just stopped 
producing fruit. And the fruit that it did produce, I remember picking it, and it was just sour. It wouldn't mature. It would stop at a certain point. You know, that could be an illustration of our lives. Again, at some point, we're producing and and we're abiding in the Lord and we're growing in Him. And yet, because of the cares of the world, the soil of our heart, we allow it to be overwhelmed with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And the word is choked out. But then we had the fourth soil. The good soil, that is, described as a person who, when they hear the word of God, hold fast to it in an honest and good heart. And then we, are, we have learned that it bears fruit with patience or steadfastness is another way of describing or saying this word, patience, steadfastness. It's the same word that is used in James 1, 2 through 4. A consistent faithfulness to the Lord, a conviction that is unmovable, immovable. Now, I, I would like to talk a little more about this good soil because it's, I think it's something that's important for us to understand. Jesus refers to it because it's important to how well we receive the word of God. And I believe that it should be of interest to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Because what we are entering into in these verses is the responsibility of the person who hears the word of God. And so if we're going to be held accountable for what we hear, shouldn't we be interested in how well prepared our hearts are to receive it? I would. I'm going to be held accountable for what I hear. So therefore, I want to make sure that the soil of my heart is tended to. And prepared not only to receive the word, but allow it to take root and deep root. That would, it would be nourished by God himself and by his spirit. That it may produce much fruit. You know, verse 18, again, as we read, Jesus said, take care then how you hear. This means that we ought to hear well. Responding to what we hear and unashamedly allowing our response to demonstrate our obedience to it. So if the soil of the heart that hears the word and holds fast to it is one that is honest and good, as it was described by Jesus in the parable, then we ought to know exactly what that is and how we can have that good soil. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. If the spring is bitter, then it will produce bitterness. So therefore, we ought to keep our heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so we begin to understand what is the only thing that will tend the soil of our heart. It is the word of God. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the word of truth, the word of Christ. So the soil of our heart, you want it to, to be well? You want it to be a good soil, good and honest? Then get into the word and stay in the word. Allow the Lord to, to make it, well, make it healthy. Have a heart like this. Psalm 40, chapter 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Psalm 37, 31 says, The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. And in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 it is written, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In Psalm 119, Chapter 9, or chapter uh, 119, verse 9. The psalmist writes, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what makes for an honest and good heart? Is it anything that we can do in and of ourselves to make our hearts good and honest? Absolutely not. We have nothing to offer. We think we do. In fact, our opinion would sharply contrast or oppose the very spirit and word of God. Anything we add is only wickedness. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so why is it important to get our hearts right, to hear the word of God? Why? Because, again, I am bringing us through this to help us understand it is important for us to take full responsibility because we will be held accountable for how well we hear the word of God. It has nothing to do with someone else. Past, present, it doesn't matter. What is important is how you hear the word of God at this very moment. It's important because it determines whether we will be entrusted with more from God or if what we have will be taken away. It reveals whether we genuinely belong to Jesus. It shows us, it reveals certain things about us. Whether we truly submit to him and allow him to govern us or if it's ourselves, our own hearts. Because this is what we come to in the following verses, and that's why I, I felt compelled to go back and then lead into these verses. Verse 16. 
It says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with, jar, with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Everything is exposed. Everything is known. But we have a responsibility. That's what this is telling us. We have a personal responsibility as to how we handle and what we do with what we receive, the word of God. It's important to tend the soil of our hearts because it will determine whether we hold it fast. As it said in verse 15, or not. Which means that we will hold it firm. We will hold it down. The very word in our hearts. Allowing the roots to go deeply in our hearts. That that word will not be able to be snatched up by the devil. When it is first sown into our hearts. Burned up nor choked out by the deception of the devil. The shallowness of an unattended heart. Nor the cares, riches or pleasures of this world. But rather the word is firmly and would be firmly rooted, planted, and take root in a soil that is good and honest, in a heart that is immovable, and shows or demonstrates itself to be genuine in times of trouble by growing and bearing fruit with patience, maturity, and with contentment. I think a, a good picture of, um, of trees that are deeply rooted are pictures of trees that stand tall and have stood the test of time. They're old, but they stand. And others that have shallow roots in times of testing, they just kind of plop over. And they're good for nothing but for firewood. We ought to be those strong oaks that stand. Tests and trials. And yet we will never get there. We will never be those people. Unless we take heed. Unless we listen well. That we can understand. And even desire to bless the Lord. By unapologetically hearing and doing what the word tells us more consistently and with greater conviction. Take care then how you hear. Now the first thing is we read in verse 16. It says no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. But puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything uh, secret that will not be known and come to light. So let the word shine. In what ways? Well, we'll learn about that. But let the word of God shine. And shine brightly. Because as we see here and as we see the Lord speaking plainly. We understand it would be ridiculous to light a lamp. Can you imagine a kerosene lamp, one that has some oil and a wick, and you light the lamp, and then you immediately have that person stick it under a bed? Well, that would be a fire hazard, right? For one. Secondly, it would defeat its purpose. 
It's like taking a flashlight and then covering it with your hand. It's like, what, what are you doing? You know, we need to see where we're going. So he makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear. I couldn't imagine going camping. Now, some places you go camping and it is pitch black. Not like in the city. In the city, you can, you can walk around anywhere. And especially here in SoCal, <laughs> you can drive with your headlights off. And you'll be able to see. And I see plenty of people doing that. But there are some places it is pitch black. I remember camping in the Collegiate Mountains in Colorado one time. And, and uh, I remember how dark it was. And just a little, a little light. When your eyes adjust, just a little bit of light uh, reveals those things that are around you and allows you to walk safely. But the Lord is, is making something that is understandable to everyone. An illustration of how it should be with the word of God, how it should be received and then responded to. The light that is referred to here is the word of God. It is truth. And it is what should be put up where it can give light, give clarity to everything that it can be seen and understood. It's amazing how a child of God can see things with great understanding. The things around us, the world around us. Why? Because we have God's perspective according to his word. Because it's his word that sheds light on everything around us. When the word is placed where it should be, it gives understanding to the things we are confronted with and gives us understanding of how to live a godly life, a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Bob Hoekstra, who is with the Lord, in fact, I, I believe his, he has some lessons on Blue Letter Bible, even now. Um, he referred to this verse often, and, and I understand why it was that he would refer to this verse often. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, because in biblical counseling, it always goes back to this. He believed, as I believe, that the Bible is sufficient to deal with everything that has to do with life and godliness. Everything. There is not one thing that the Lord missed. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God doesn't need any help. And yet we somehow think that he needs all kinds of help. No, it gives clarity. It helps us to understand what life is and sometimes what we deal with and how to lead a godly life. Everything is in the word of God. By his word, by God's word, we know our purpose in Christ. A lot of people today are confused. 
you know, trying to figure out their identity and their purpose in life, their direction in life, all of those things. Hey, listen, there are things as far as, you know, our work is concerned and how the Lord provides for us and, and who we should marry and who we should not marry. All of those things. But overall, the, the child of God should know their purpose. Their purpose is in Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We know that as we walk in them and we look to the word, that we should consider this, that all things will be exposed to God and are exposed to God. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You ever, um, you ever meet a secret Christian? Well, you would know, right? Unless at some point they reveal themselves. But, you know, someone who you would have never have guessed they were a believer. I mean, the way they behave, their language, um, the things they do, you would think they're just, you know, they're unbelievers. They're of the world. In fact, I should witness to them. You know, perhaps, I, you know, they, they may be led to Christ, you know. Hey, but hey, they're just being real with themselves, right? That's, by the way, a deception of the enemy. Hey, listen, the Lord desires for us to come to him as we are. I came to the Lord as I was. But he does not desire for us to stay there. That potty mouth and the things that used to be done and participated in, that at some point, that should be a sanctified mouth. The thoughts should start to change. Right? Your actions should begin to change. Because there are some who are in that place and and, and as you sometimes find out that they're a Christian, you're surprised. Oh, and you go to church. Not only do you claim to be a Christian, but, but you also go to church. And then to my shock and astonishment, you're also in leadership? I mean, I, I, won't, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. And uh, this person was telling me that this indeed happened. And even after this person learned that that other person was not only a Christian or so professed to be a Christian, but in leadership, they continued on with the same activities, same mouth, same everything. That's strange. We ought to be a peculiar people, set aside, set apart. Listen. Jesus had strong words for the hypocrites of his day.
Remember, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. If you have heard and know the truth, then you have a responsibility to make it known. And this is what we're, we're told here in these verses. We have a responsibility to make it known. The word spoken, Jesus known. That is why that catchphrase is under the Refuge Bible Fellowship. The word spoken, Jesus known. And at some point, it was uh, Jesus lived. Not in past tense, but Jesus lived out presently in the life of the believer. Listen, if you had the cure for cancer or any other life-threatening illness or disease, would you not have a moral responsibility to make it known and spread it throughout the world? Like, just tell everyone, right? You would. If you had the cure for cancer, I am sure that you would make, make it a point to tell everyone in the world. Am I wrong? And you would have a moral responsibility to do that. Because it would be odd to have the cure, not apply it personally, and at the same time, not make it known to others. And the Lord is saying here, listen, you have a responsibility. Let the word shine in word and deed. In word and deed. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you have a resistance to living your faith out loud before others, think again because that is exactly what we ought to be doing. Pray in the name of Jesus. Tell people God bless you. Give them godly counsel. Give them scriptural reference. Are you afraid of the retribution? Are you afraid of what they're going to do to you? I would be more fearful of God than the one who can simply persecute you a bit. Take care then how you hear. Verse 18, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So knowing what we covered in verses 16 and 17, the conclusion is, take care then how you hear. Knowing how truth should be handled, we then should strive to hear the word of God with intent and earnest contemplation. The words to take care are words that describe the beholding of the linen cloths in the empty tomb, according to Luke 24, 12. The gaze the disciples were, that was upon the Lord as he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. That is the gaze with intent, beholding. That is how we ought to take heart and listen to the word of God. Not casually. Not, oh, well, it's getting late. My stomach's grumbling and I have things to do. Or I've heard this before. Or I don't like what he's saying. Well, it shouldn't be like that. Again, the words that are used here, take, take care is the description of how 
the eyes of the disciples were looking at the linen cloths that were in the empty tomb, just with awe, with wonder, with amazement. And how it was that the disciples were gazing as the Lord ascended into heaven. To take care is to look and to perceive, to see, to regard, and to heed. In other words, it is not enough to hear the word of God in a passive, relaxed manner. It should be active, engaged. The word is to be looked upon intently, with earnest with an eager intention. One needs to judge their own hearts. This is, this is what we're seeing here, is you ought to judge your own heart in the midst of listening just as much as you judge the preacher in his words, being a Berean. And I say, don't believe a word that I say from this pulpit unless it aligns with God's word. But you ought to test it out. Know it yourself. But what we have here is Jesus is saying, take care of your own heart. You have to take into account the condition of your own heart to see if you're in the right place or not. He goes on to say to the one who has more will be given. Matthew 25, 21 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You see, entering into the joy of your master is to be faithful to those things that you have heard because you do them. You walk them out. If you're not faithful to the little, he won't, he won't, he won't as much set you over more Well, we'll get into what happens if you don't. The question is, what will you be given? Well, what comes is more understanding, more strength, more peace, more opportunities to serve the Lord in various ways. It just, you're in the right place with the Lord. But, but he says, from the one who, who has not, even what he thinks, thinks he has will be taken away. So this person thinks he has something. And yet because he's not being faithful to those things, even that will be snatched away. Remember I told you about Ephesians, the the uh, the church in Ephesus. And this is what Jesus had to say to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. He said to all of the seven churches, he said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Jesus said, if you do not repent, then you will, what you have will be taken away. And this was, again, the church that the Apostle Paul and Timothy for sure were pastors of. 
Imagine being taught under Paul, being taught under Timothy, and possibly even John, the apostle. And they were in this place. Not many years from the time that they were led by them. You see, when one neglects to hear and do what he knows, then what begins to take place is peace, purpose, joy, and hope begin to dwindle and diminish. That's what ends up happening. In James chapter 1, verse 22, James writes, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Blessed. So how you hear will determine how you act, and it will reveal how well you have heard. Verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So simply, again, I, making it plain, hear, hear God's word and do it. That is what we're going to be held accountable for. We should be, therefore, prepared for it. Now, we know that Jesus' desire was to do the will of the Father, and he was doing it, and did it perfectly. But we see here as he is teaching, as Jesus is explaining these things to his disciples, that Jesus' mother and his brothers are coming to take Jesus away. And we know from the other Gospels that they were coming because they, they didn't believe that he was the Messiah, and... Perhaps they thought that he was teaching things he shouldn't be teaching. And so they wanted to make sure that, you know, my thoughts, they wanted to make sure Jesus didn't make a fool of himself. I think that sometimes that's the way uh, we're looked at. Oftentimes that's the way we're looked at. As far as Christians are concerned, followers of Jesus Christ, others are concerned for you. Perhaps your closest family members. I don't, I don't want them to make a fool of themselves. So here, you know, come this way. It's interesting that Jesus' family didn't have easy access to him even in that place. They had to tell him, those who were crowded around, they had to tell him, hey, your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. They want to see you. And what was his response? Oh, and by the way, they were actual brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. In other words, they were born to Mary. So this whole teaching of Mary's perpetual virginity is directly opposed to God's word. It's plain and simple, and it's over and over. It's, it's spoken of several times in, in the Gospels.
What Jesus answered, saying, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And by the way, in another section, it is described that he was pointing at those who were around him. Those are the people who were close to him. Wouldn't you want to know how to draw close to Jesus? He tells us plainly here, when Jesus received word that his mother and brothers were outside, he looked at the crowd and said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's, it's simple. That's why I, I keep going back to it. I know it's, it's just a, an emphasis on it. It's over and over, but that is what's emphasized for us. God desires obedience over sacrifice. And yes, it's by the spirit of God and it's by his grace that we get to offer anything to begin with. But that's what Jesus' words were. Therefore, it is repeated and it is emphasized that we ought to take care then how you hear. Listen intently with a desire to understand And then immediately act on what you hear. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And yet, we're like that little girl that I've given you the story of time and time again. You know. You remember the story? Dad and little girl were off on a drive and the little girl was in the back and he looked in the rearview mirror and saw her standing up in the back seat. <laughs> Told her several, several times to sit down. She wouldn't sit down. Finally, he said, if you don't sit down, I'm going to pull over. She didn't sit down. So he started to pull over. So, she, of course, you know, you who have children, you know, this, you, this story is familiar to you, I'm sure, in some way, shape, or form, right? Start to pull over and, oh, man, Little girl sat down, buckled up. So dad kept driving. He hears this little voice from the back. I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) We can't be those people. Brothers and sisters, I know that sometimes... We allow our hearts to get hardened. Don't do that. Don't don't be like that little girl who's just, in her heart, she's still hard. Yes. If your heart's not right, it doesn't matter what you hear. It's going to be snatched up by Satan. It's going to be um, short-lived because... When tests come, it'll be, it'll be, the plant will be dead. That seed will be of no worth whatsoever. Or it'll be choked out by the cares of this world. We ought to tend well to the soil of our heart that, that we may allow ourselves to hear well. That as we listen intently with desire to understand and then act on what we hear, 
we're in that moment drawing near to God. And as we draw near to him, the word tells us that he will draw near to us. And we will be those people that Jesus referred to. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And do it gladly. It's not a burden, as John wrote in one of his letters. Be consistent in living your faith out in such a way that others know you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And your manner of speaking is consistent with your life. Pay careful attention to how you hear the word of God. Are you listening at all? If you are, then how does that reflect in you? I pray that you would respond to the word of God by listening, believing, by doing. And in so doing, you show that you truly belong to Jesus Christ. You are a genuine lover of Jesus Christ. You have been saved by grace. You walk in faith. And you desire to please him with your life. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are you are faithful, you are wonderful, you are gracious, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that we would be those people who listen carefully. Lord, that we may Rejoice in the fact that we belong to you, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We have proclaimed to the world that we have surrendered our lives and, and we are disciples of Jesus Christ and have the hope of heaven. For your word tells us that there is salvation in no other name, no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who, who doesn't know this relationship, Lord, I, I, this, this was a word that was spoken to those who, within earshot, that were within earshot of Jesus on that day. Lord, even his family weren't believers. They weren't saved. They, they didn't know. They didn't, they didn't know Jesus as anything other than a sibling or a child at that moment. But Lord, it was after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ that even Jesus' family came to surrender their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so Father, I, I ask Lord that you would stir in the heart or hearts of anyone who is here who have not surrendered their, their hearts, their very lives, to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and that today would be the day of salvation. That right now in where they're sitting, they simply confess their sins to you and cry out to you and ask for forgiveness, repenting of their sins and asking that, that Jesus Christ be their Lord and Savior. And I pray for the church, Lord, for your bride. Oh, I pray that, Lord, we would be attentive to your word, that we would desire to bless and honor you by the manner in which we live our lives, that you may be glorified and we may be part 
of the bride, the church as a whole, that is ready for your coming at any given time, doing the that which you have called us to. And so, Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.